Hello and welcome to another episode of Other Record Labels. I'm your host, Scott Orr. We talk about the art and culture of running an indie record label. Um, I hope you find these episodes helpful. Today is a special episode. It's one of these things, uh, part of a series we call Industry Insiders, and it's meant to look at non-labels, but people in the industry who um, we interact with a lot as indie label people or as DIY artists. And it's uh, it's a way to explore some of the um, auxiliary companies and services and platforms that help um, help us do our job and 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 sell records and and get music out to people. And uh, before I go into that, I, I want to tell you about our free guide for um, DIY labels and and indie musicians. And basically, what it is is you know if these episodes have been helpful. And the past two years of episodes have been helpful. What I've done is, because I know when you're listening to an episode, it's hard to write down something smart that somebody says, never me, it's always them. And so what I've done is I've gone through and and taken notes of and, and con- condensed uh, some of our episodes and taken some of this advice and put it into a free guide. It's a PDF that you can download. Just go to otherrecordlabels.com and you can get that there. And there's lots of advice from, from, from a lot of the labels that we've uh, talked to over the years. And I think you're going to find that really helpful, otherrecordlabels.com. The thing with these episodes, and, and, and again, we were calling them industry insiders just because it kind of had a cute little ring to it. It's a bonus episode, but I think that um, in the past, I've found it helpful personally just to talk to some of these companies um, and some of these uh, influencers that that uh, I've interviewed that will uh, help us um, do our job a little bit better. And today we're talking with Andrew Jervis of Bandcamp. Andrew is the chief curator at Bandcamp. Uh, he's a pretty important dude over there. Bandcamp, and, and and I talk about this a little bit with Andrew, but Bandcamp is so special because if you're running an indie label today in 2019 or 2020 or whenever you're listening to this, Bandcamp is an incredibly important platform. In fact, it's probably one of the first things you do when you're starting a label is open up a Bandcamp account. Um, if you're not familiar with Bandcamp, go to bandcamp.com and check it out. It's obviously this free distribution platform. Um, and and I remember them as, as one of the free uh, sorry, one of the first ways to sell an MP3 because I remember back in 2010 and 2009 when I was getting started, I was looking for a way to sell digital products, and it wasn't as common as it is today. Uh, so finding Bandcamp was a dream come true, and obviously they've become something so special over the years with their um, Bandcamp Weekly and, and their editorial on their website, the way they feature albums. Um, I absolutely love them. I know that the label. We interview love them. I know that our listeners love them. This is such a special day to talk with Bandcamp. I hope you enjoy this episode. I want to say, and I'm going to pump your tires here for a little bit. I'm I'm so excited. I'm so blessed to have you on the show because Bandcamp has played such a critical role for my label, not just the platform, but you know the opportunities and exposure that even you yourself have provided some of our releases. And on this show, I mean, it's crazy, but like not an episode goes by where the label we're talking to doesn't take a few seconds to like praise Bandcamp. I think we all love that ethos and personality behind the brand. So thank you so much for doing this. I'm so excited to chat with you today. 
Oh, cool. Well, I appreciate the uh, opportunity, and you know, we wouldn't be having this conversation if you weren't putting out such good music. You know? <laughs> Thank you. Well, it's uh, I, I'm going through this uh, yesterday and just kind of thinking through some of the things I wanted to chat with you about. It's just so uh, heartwarming to think about the history that I've had, and I know that our our listeners and the labels we talk to have had such a history with Bandcamp. Everybody says such great things, and uh, yeah, it was just so nice to think back on how long it's it's been a part of my life and my label's life. It's so cool. It's post your MySpace time. <laughs> That's right. Well, and I, and I don't want to go off track, but yeah, I remember when I, I stumbled upon Bandcamp, and it was uh, in the uh, Sufjan Stevens All Delighted People era. That was whenever, that was the first time I think I navigated to Bandcamp because he released his record exclusively through Bandcamp for a few days back in 2010, I think. And at the time, it was pretty difficult to find a platform that would allow you to sell digital products. Right. I, I don't, I think Big Cartel was playing with a, a third party, but there was a charge for it. So I remember being so excited to find somebody who would, who could find a way to sell uh, MP3s. Yeah. I mean, Bandcamp started around the same time as Topspin and Topspin's mm. model was sort of the topsy-turvy version of Bandcamp and that Bandcamp was open to anybody. Right. It's been started by in you know invite only, and so if you were Trent Reznor or David Byrne or someone, you know you were maybe using their services to sell directly to fans. Whereas, you know, Bandcamp started when Ethan, who uh, you know founded the site with Sean, uh, decided to uh, buy a record from a local band, and that purchase went sideways, you know, hmm. uh, <laughs> trying to use the band's newfangled website and not get anything. And then, you know, days or possibly weeks later, winding up on a phone with a, you know, a member of the band, yeah. <laughs> sending them a, a file, uh, you know, a, a folder and it's a bunch of files and all the song titles are called something like, you know, track one, master, track two, yeah. Track one dot. <laughs> There's gotta be a better way, you know? Yes. I the thing that astonishes me the most about Bandcamp and what I appreciate the most is how you guys have been able to avoid that feature creep that plagues most apps today. Like an album page on Bandcamp looks essentially the same today as it did 10 years ago. I love that. And I wonder, is that intentional? To some degree. You know, Bandcamp's definitely um, a small company in comparison to some of the other music businesses out there. We're still less than 70 people, hmm. which means that by nature, we can only do a few features at a time or per year or whatever it is. Might as well get them right. Hmm. So I think that served us well. Um, taking our time, doing things methodically, making sure this is right for the artist, right for the fan, right for the label. It's important. We don't, you know, we, the bank comes lucky in that we've been profitable since 2012. Wow. So we don't act in the same way that a lot of, you know, startups do. We don't burn through money as fast as we can and uh. ramp up uh, numbers of people working here just to show that we can do that. It's way more important to us to put the music first and treat it as art and, you know, treat it with the red copper that needs to be, uh, you know, put out for it and, um, and, and, and do things the right way. And, you know, therefore by nature, 
some parts of Bandcamp may look like they've looked like that forever. Hmm. Uh, it doesn't mean that those things won't eventually evolve, but hopefully they'll evolve with maybe a little more thought and care um, than perhaps if we were just trying to uh, ramp things up and uh, you know get ourselves ready for IPO or sale or something. Yeah. Those are not determining forces behind the decisions that we make at Bandcamp. That's and I mean I can see that and I, I and it's so evident that tortoise and the hare uh, type of thing where where Bandcamp has has moved slow and steady and there's something very modest about it and uh, you know I think you could be totally self uh, indulgent and uh, I mean I would buy a Bandcamp frisbee if you go down that road but it's uh, I appreciate it and it's um, it's very welcome in 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 amongst some of these other services. Cool. Sorry, excuse me. I'm just writing down the idea of Bankhamp Frisbee. Yeah, go ahead. I'll take <laughs> some. I'll take some points on that. Um, how long have you been at Bandcamp? A great question. I think about seven or so years. Okay, seven maybe. Yeah, I forget something around those. I was employee number thirteen. Really? Okay, that's nice. That lucky number. So, um, can you tell me? Because I kind of forget, or I don't know, but like I said, and I, I talked to John Bueller from Asthmatic about this, which was really interesting to hear his perspective on on why Bandcamp was the distributor to premiere the first Sufian record after Illinois. And But that was the first time that I ever heard about Bandcamp, and I mm-hmm. thought it, it was kind of cool. That was 2010. How far before that does, does Bandcamp go? Bandcamp's 10 years old, so... Not not oh. too much further, oh. maybe ten, ten and a half at this point. But no way. Yeah, yeah I think I think it's two thousand eight is the start date. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's really so, cool. Yeah, somewhere between ten and eleven years. Um, you know, I I want to talk. Okay, so your role is you, and so you came on fairly early. The, early on, when did you kind of move into the more curation role? Well, sort of immediately, uh, my job was a hodgepodge of different things um, because we were so small. Um, it's grown to probably be a bit more defined. So when I was brought on, um, I was asked to bring some editorial to the homepage because the homepage was really just an information page. Mm-hmm. For us. There was, I think there was a Twitter feed up there, um, the occasional story or anecdote or maybe a note about a new feature, um, but there was no editorial. Um also, I was tasked with bringing in labels and artists, right? Definitely labels, um, and getting them ready for when we launched label accounts. Yes. Um, uh, what is the third thing? So uh, that's one. <laughs> um, so editorial, artists, and labels. I swear there was something else, but anyway. So oh, and doing the bank weekly. Duh. Of right, course. Right. So. Um, I still do the Bandcamp Weekly. We, we've done some, I don't know, 350 or so episodes. Yeah. It's a show every, it goes up every Tuesday on the homepage and in the app, and it's 90 minutes of me um, picking through Bandcamp and mm-hmm. uh, talking to artists and I like and playing their music. Um, so I'm really glad that I get to do that. I used to do a radio show here in San Francisco for uh, 14, 15 or so years, mm-hmm. and uh, to be able to continue that is, is uh, That's uh, something. Scratches really that cool. itch for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, I just love sharing the music. Mm. Um, I still uh, have a big handful. Uh, 
I don't really have an official title, but I suppose for the purposes of, um, you know, attending and speaking at conferences, I'm uh, something along the lines of director of uh, uh, artist and labor relations or head of artist and labor relations, mm. something along those lines. Um, you know, there are over 6,500 labels using Bandcamp at this point. Wow. Um, and since we launched label accounts a few years ago, those have grown to represent maybe a third of the business on the site. Wow. Um, which is interesting because it's, it means that the rest of the business is still purely independent artists, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, that's a lot of labels. I no longer um, uh, i am in charge of the editorial, which is a, a good thing because my head would have exploded and it wouldn't have been anywhere near as, uh, as, <laughs> as it is now. Obviously, we have the Bandcamp Daily team um, led by uh, J. Edward Keyes in our Brooklyn uh, office. So um, they predominantly handle uh, the editorial as the labels team and labels and artist team. We often, you know, liaise with the editorial team, let them know what we see coming, let them know who's coming to the site for the first time. And uh, so, you know, sort of a, a, a collaborative, sure. collaborative effort, but I no longer have uh, as heavy a hand as I used to in that. The, uh, let me, uh, let me go off on this ramp for a second here, but I, I know in the in the past uh, couple of years or so that that independent artists and independent labels are um, suggested to send their new releases to editorial at at bandcamp.com is that correct yeah yeah and and so and you get a little nice little auto response that says we've received it uh, how does that process work um, can you kind of demystify that for a little bit for us as much as I know I, I know that uh, uh, Jay Edward and the crew at the Daily are the most passionate people about new music that I know. Mm. I know that he listens to pretty much absolutely everything that crosses his desk, which wow. is incredible. And if you um, were to call in at his uh, apartment uh, on any given evening, I guarantee you he's not there. He's at a show or maybe a series oh, wow. of shows. So um, they just troll through as much as they can. Hmm. And, um, you know, obviously... We can't cover everything. It's, yeah. it's not physically yeah. possible. But what the daily has made a point to do is to not cover what everybody else is covering. Oh, for sure. Just to cover things we like. Um, obviously, for a long time, it was sort of a, a sport to uh, you know spur people's releases and 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 say how much you didn't like them as much as you know those releases that you did. It's too much good music out there, mm. and so Bandcamp's focus has always been on: do we like it? Great. Let's write about it. And so we've been lucky in that we don't have advertisers. We don't have sponsors. We don't have anybody that we need to talk back to about, you know, ad click rate or any of that kind of stuff. The editorial is driven purely by do we like it? And that means that we've been able to do stories on things like the electronic music scene in Iran, the world's music genre um a punk scene in a tiny little super remote town somewhere in russia and you know we don't do these things to be obnoxious we're yeah. not trying to prove yeah. that we can talk about the most obscure stuff anywhere but to put that on a level playing field with some more household things is a luxury and uh not one that we take lightly and to be able to shine a light on music that we think is just really great um again i think we're in a lucky position there I totally agree. And I mean, I, I get frustrated by something like the editorial at Apple Music or whatever you call it and 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 how they primarily feature established artists. It's such a great thing or 
uh, or already established artists, uh, you know, like Drake and Disney soundtracks. So it's such a refreshing thing and to hear those stories and to see such underrepresented artists at Bandcamp. Then they, they've been doing it long enough now where it's what people come to expect. Oh, which for is, sure. I mean, if it had fallen flat on its face, maybe this would be a different conversation, but the fact <laughs> keeps growing and that the editorial now, you know, can drive a lot of traffic to those artists' pages is, is awesome. It's proof that people have a hunger to learn about music and to support a scene um, that maybe they didn't know about before, which mm. is cool. Um, just to kind of to to go back to this thought about or this, this questions about the editorial, and I, I do want to kind of ask some practical things for some of the indie labels. Um, when we're when we're submitting to editorial, is there an ideal lead time? Uh, I know for a lot of promotional stuff, longer is better. Is that the same for the editorial team at Bandcamp? Yeah, there's probably nothing new there, except that we know that obviously as a site, Bandcamp is a place that you can post whatever you like, whenever you like, right. And- Sometimes that might mean just on a whim, you finish an album, you want to post it. Can you let us know about it? Sure, you can. It probably means we can't do as much as we could as if you'd given us, um, you know, a minimum of three to four weeks' notice. Um, and if you want to have a larger feature, then a more traditional four to six weeks' notice is, you know, obviously appreciated. Mm. Um, so there's no hard and fast rule, but yes, the longer you give us, the more likely we're able to do something of substance. That's great. I feel bad for, and I want to ask you about your, you know, your taste and the discovery process a little bit, but I feel bad for bands who send demos or I hear demos that are technically perfect and sound great, but are ultimately uninteresting or unexciting. What makes a record or a new artist stand out to you? What, what kind of uh, catches your ear? Well, I suppose there's a number of things that you can do as an artist or a label to catch someone's ear or eye. And, 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 that's one of the reasons why I think the super fans come to Bandcamp and, and they support artists there because it's not like you're buying from a site that's anonymous. In fact, you're not really buying from Bandcamp. You know, you're that closer to buying from the artist or from their label. So as an artist or a label, I think it's key to honor that and to make your pages look as good as your music sounds. Hmm. Make your identity on Bandcamp as unique as your music is, you know, so... It's taking care of the little details, like making sure you've got a bio, making sure there's a statement about the album, whether it's a press release or a, um, liner notes or something along those lines. Make sure you tag your records properly, add lyrics, take a few extra seconds. I realize that there's only enough you know, time in the day to do X, Y, and Z and not enough hands on deck maybe, but it, it, I don't think that selling music needs to be as anonymous as it is uh, in, on in some places on the internet where you can also buy tube socks and toothpaste, yeah. you know, buying an album uh, and following a band should be a lot more fun. And, um, you know, if you can't make it to your local record store uh, and, and you want to, uh, or, or that store doesn't carry, you know, the record that's up on Bandcamp, well, think about that from the artist, uh, from the fan perspective, what can you do to make your pages look and sound uh, as, as attractive as possible. So have track streaming for people to hear um, and, and add all the bells and whistles that, um, that, that, that make uh, artists' pages um, you know, look special. You know what? This is such a good topic because uh, it's something I've been thinking about and talking to artists about as well of, of, of uh, utilizing any features. I, I'm wondering specifically on this topic, 
is there something, um, is there a service that artists to you frustratingly underutilize on Bandcamp? Um, yeah, I mean, oftentimes I'll come across a record that I think's great and there's no information about it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like it doesn't take that long to write something. Even if you've only got like two sentences in you to say, this record was really hard for me to write. I wrote it when I broke up with my girlfriend um, while sitting in the back of my truck on my lunchtime. Whatever, you know, <laughs> that would be awesome to know. You know, or, you know, it doesn't have to be that personal, but something is better than absolutely nothing. And sometimes I feel like people think of Bandcamp as just like a storefront, you know, mm-hmm. and they'll post an album with a song with an album title the song titles it's 9.99 because they've seen that's what gets yeah. <laughs> other places um and they'll add something like you know released december 24th uh, 2017 <laughs> whatever blah, blah, blah. and you're like wow this is your opportunity this is you know we don't tell you uh what you can and, and, and can't say here we don't uh impose restrictions you can really go for it here this is your chance to shine and to do your bit and um yeah i I think you know just taking a few extra seconds to dial your page and makes a really big difference you know i've said this before but if there was like a big shiny red buy button i could send to everybody and they put it on their desk and they hit it and fans go there and and they just buy you know artist records we'd obviously mail one of those out We can see the data, and we know that by taking care of the little details, those have a little. Each one has an incremental effect. Maybe it's two percent here. Maybe it's five yes. percent there. Yes. For a fact that you know, not having a streaming track when you announce your record is going to diminish your sales by at least twenty percent. Wow. Maybe more, yeah. depending on what it is. So, you know, take take advantage of the fact that you can dial your pages in and make them look unique and bear in mind that the Bandcamp is a viral what makes Bandcamp really tick is that it's viral mm. it's a community whereby I might buy a record and then the four or five thousand fans following me will get to know that I bought that record so what do they then go and do well maybe some of those folks will go buy it and then the fans following them will maybe they'll buy it and it could snowball but if you if your efforts are so low that your page is very interesting and you don't have any info and I'm the only person who knows that your record is great, then, you know, you, you can stymie that whole um, snowball effect, that whole viral nature to the site. So, you know, make your music available for people to hear, make your pages look as good as they can sound, add all the tiny little bells and whistles that you can on Bandcamp, like your bio, your album description, a good photo of the band, great photos of your merch, because mm-hmm. over half of what people buy on Bandcamp at this point is physical. Wow. Predominantly, obviously, vinyl. But yeah, over half of fans' purchases at this point are for uh, physical goods. So yeah, I, could see, sure yeah you, I could see that. Make sure you take a great picture of that cassette or <laughs> yes. uh, you know, vinyl sticking out of the sleeve. Like, Show people what you've really got. That's, that is definitely another thing that occasionally, like, why'd you do that? Just Don't just read <laughs> Yeah, you know, we even have templates now that you can use because I know that sometimes you announce a record and you're still waiting for the oh, right. final. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we've got templates you can use that, that uh, approximate what that vinyl looks like. Go That's ahead and great. Put one because again, it's what'll end up happening is if I buy your vinyl, a picture of that vinyl appears in my collection. 
so other fans can see, oh, whoa, this vinyl, that looks cool. Mm. And they, they can see post bought it, they can see what I wrote about it, all that kind of stuff. Um, I basically become like a little advertising node for that piece of vinyl. Plus, Bandcamp has um, lots of ways that they help you know, uh, promote merch just by the fact that you posted a really good picture. So we have newsletters that go out to hundreds of thousands of fans every week. We have um, genre hub pages these days. So if you go to like uh, bandcamp.com slash electronic, you'll see that there's a whole bunch of uh, music that falls into the electronic tag um, that's uh, curated there partly by editorial. There's uh, There are genre-defining releases. There's um, re- releases that have been recommended by artists. Uh, and there's merch. And we include, you know, merch where there's really good photos. So, you know, it, it, it's just taking a little extra care because you know at the end of that care is going to result in fans opening their wallets. There's so many great points in here, and, and, and I love it. And, and to add to your, your last point, this happened in 2012, and I discovered an artist who ended up, we ended up signing, re-releasing the record, and, and to, to date, it's one of my favorite records of all time, an artist from Utah called J.P. Haney, and the album was called The Sand. And yeah. Bandcamp used to have a blog that, I don't know if they, they still operate in the same feed, but it was just a basic blog, and occasionally they would... Um, showcase beautiful albums, just great artwork. And JP had done these incredible photo shoots of his multicolored vinyl. And I was just taken by the artwork and the presentation um, and and reached out to him based alone on the, the product shots of the vinyl. Right. Well, I suppose replacing a blog that can only show, you know, X, we now have all these other ways that totally. you can just that piece of vinyl instagram for 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 yeah i mean the instagram wasn't even around back then but that was yeah i see that all the time now great artwork on Bandcamp's instagram yeah there's instagram and then also just the fact that we you know like i said we send out these newsletters to folks hundreds of thousands of fans every week who've signed up for mm. a, a newsletter based on the genre will send out and it recommends a number of releases it recommends some related editorial it'll have pictures of good-looking merch um, you can search via, uh, uh, you know, vinyl or uh, format or whatever you want via the homepage. So if you want indie music on cassette from Brooklyn, you I didn't take- know that. I didn't know you could subscribe to that. Oh, sure, yeah, I that's mean, great. You, you know, if if you want Detroit techno on vinyl, you know, you can dial it in so that we show you what's available. And yeah, we, you know, we want Bandcamp to be this great giant record store in the sky that's full of people whose music taste you really dig and you can lean on to discover something new you know well and, and it's i i love that for i mean again again there's so much great stuff here I, I love that because um sometimes and this goes back to something when i interviewed um sean at 6131 records i think it was sean um and he was telling me about how he discovered Julian Baker. I don't know if you know this story, but he discovered Julian Baker's um, debut, the sprained ankle. She had self-released it on Bandcamp. And he was just kind of deep diving one day, found this record. It was sort of unfinished. It had been released like in December or something, and nobody had really heard it. Um, and, you know, the the story kind of exploded from there. But um, 
I, well, I, that has stuck with me so much. And now I try to like go, I spend like at least once a month, I try to deep dive into some tags and look for some obscure releases that were just released. So that's so cool that you can kind of subscribe to a couple things and hopefully be the, the first to hear something new. Well, not only that, but, you know, putting the, um, putting your Bandcamp account to use as a fan by, you know, following as many other artists and labels and fans, music station, you like, I still, you know, it's my job to be bringing in as many artists and labels as possible, but I can't stay on top of everything. And each week I am turned on to music by fans who just have, uh, you know, a, a, a slightly different take on things than I do. And I'm like, Oh, wait a minute, that is really cool. And I'll find that stuff in my feed. You know, the music feed is really a this great roll up of all of the activity of all the folks that you're following, whether it's the artists and labels you're obsessed with or music fans that you've kind of bumped into where mm -hmm. your taste has a sort of interesting intersection. You know, you don't on Bandcamp while it's social and while the, the, the social side, the community, the viral side drives about a third of the sale on the, on the site, you don't, you don't follow people just because like, I don't follow people in the way that, you know, uh, I might, my kid might follow someone on, on Facebook cause they posted a cat picture. Yeah. Or you don't follow people cause they've got great design. And, and so Instagram, you know, that, that might be what you do. Right. Uh, Bandcamp, you follow people purely because you, you share something with their music taste and they open their wallet and they support a band and you're like, wow, that's cool. I like that band too. And therefore, your music feed becomes this rich source of music news for you. Um, so I can up my, open up the Bandcamp app at any point, hit play at the top on the feed, and it's going to play through a ton of music, some of which I might know, but a lot of which every week I'm like, I had no idea. That's amazing. And, uh, you know, when you're following fans in from Australia to Japan to Brazil to, you know, Paris to New York, you're going to find they're going to turn you on to releases you had no idea about, which is awesome. This speaks to something we just talked about um, when I was talking with Kevin at Top Shelf Records, and he was saying his theory or, or this idea he had speaking to this is, is um, supports the uh, the reason to give out download cards. So Bandcamp download cards to press or to fans, because when they take when they redeem that download card it ends up in their feed and ends up just becoming a free advertisement like you're saying to other music listeners oh sure yeah definitely that's so cool anytime it, i buy something it's like it's the beginning it could be the beginning of an avalanche yeah you know? you're right that's other a good point. folks react to that um you, i mean if you just think about the the uh the the, the flow of events that happens when a, when an album announcement is made and, and if you sit there and think about that for a second, that should guide you uh, in, in as an artist or a label as to how you should dial your pages in and have a track streaming for people to hear. Because it's it's really the biggest, um, you know, the biggest bang for your buck on Bandcamp is that first initial announcement that there's a new record. Because that tells all of your fans. Yeah. And then your Uber fans are going to immediately go and buy and then your record is going to appear in their collections and the fans who are following those fans will be notified about that. And it just continues. And that's why if you have all your 
you know, ducks in a row to begin with, you, you stand the best chance of infiltrating the community um, in the best possible way, you know, just by fans turning other fans onto something really great that they want to share and want to talk about. I love this thought of the, the, the ducks in a row and, and utilizing the, the stuff on your Bandcamp page because I've never, as a music fan, I've never gone to a Bandcamp page and thought, that's too much information. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've never gone there. And, Don't tell me about the recording process. Don't tell me who produced that. It's, uh, it's always the opposite. It's always like, where was this recorded? Who mixed this? You know. Well, I think a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that it's literally just, this is where I paste. This is where I you know, paste as little information as possible and just post the album and that's it. And it's it's sort of like a little storefront. Mm. And it's so much more than that. And, it, you know, they're a great example. Like, I was just looking at the Aerial Pink pages that um, Mexican Summer have been working mm-hmm. on for those uh, reissues that they're doing of his. Those pages look amazing. Like, how would you not be instantly drawn into that? Mm-hmm. It looks fantastic. And um, it, 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 you have the opportunity that the template is very basic, but you can stretch it very far. Right, right. Speaking about one of the the um, the services that I think are really really interesting is the option for fans to pay more. Um, that I've heard some ridiculous stats about how many people do that, and and I've seen it for me when I do a new release. Um, it's especially with a full length um, for you know for an older artist or, or whatnot. Um, it it the numbers are incredible. I mean, I would I would say it's easily over half, um, probably closer to seventy five percent of people who actually pay more. Talk to me a little bit about that and what what that says about the fans. Well, you're right. It is actually over half of the time when wow uh, people have the or pay more option um, uh, in play, people will take advantage of it over over half the time. Hmm. So, which is great, right? Now, there's some caveats. If you have a seven track album and you're charging 16 bucks for it you yeah. probably you know you're, you're pushing it a little yeah. bit there i was hoping that people leave a extra tip in the jar so you give them the option to pay less <laughs> yeah <laughs> um you know i think there's a sweet spot and i would never tell people what to what i think they should charge for their records um that's not my place it's your music it's mm-hmm. your blood sweat and tears but if you've got a 10 track album and you can go anywhere in that seven to ten dollar range. You're more likely to have people pay more, right? And we, I can't guarantee that they will or what they'll pay, but we see people every day paying three figure numbers for a ten dollar album. And but when it first started happening, we're like, wait a minute, did someone just put the decimal point in the wrong place? Like, <laughs> and we would contact people, and they're like, you know what? No, I I I saw the band last month and I, I you know I couldn't buy the tour t-shirt but uh, they just blew my blew me away and I've been singing their songs ever since and I just felt like now is the right time and so wow. I just wanted to show them how much I appreciate it and you know that kind of stuff happens all, all day long so yeah definitely um, it's a, it's a feature I highly uh, uh, recommend people put to use I'm not going to tell you how you should price your records but there is a sweet spot to be aware of Um and um, yeah, it's wonderful to see people to doing it. You know, I think that sweet spot, if I remember correctly, might be uh, talked about a little bit in like the setup instructions or the frequently asked questions yeah, on the site. Yeah, yeah, and and I've seen it. You know, if I do a seven dollar uh, full length, 
a lot of people will do eight dollars, which is nice, and then somebody will do fifty dollars. It's just yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. somebody's yeah. aunt. And it's not even it's not restricted to. Uh, it's funny you make the comment about the aunt. So I was going to say is it's <laughs> not restricted to like a small band, and you know, mom steps in and puts down twenty five. <laughs> we see this happening for like Tom York. Really? You know, yeah. Radiohead, or you know, yeah. I mean, it re- obviously, that recent Radiohead release was just charity, so you somewhat expect right, it. Right, right. If you look at e- whether it's the small band to the large band, the percentage that people spend over that asking price uh, is phenomenal. When uh, speaking of that uh, Radiohead release, I, I feel like a little bit of pride whenever some a big artist release something on Bandcamp. It's like them coming over to the you know to a local <laughs> pub or something. But um, uh, when that mini discs release came out and they put it on Bandcamp, that was such a cool thing. I went to the homepage and it was just bam, 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 right there. It was it was every release was the was that yeah. uh, mini disc so cool? Yeah, they sure so they made a lot of money for that charity, which is great. Um, let's, let's talk about, as we're talking about services, I want to ask you a little bit about Bandcamp for labels. Cause that's a, a little bit of your focus. And I want to ask you how we can be utilizing that. I remember a few years ago when the label option was launched and a few big labels came on, I think Epitaph was one that I remember and thought, well, that was a, a big deal. Can you talk to me a bit about Bandcamp as a platform for labels and, and, and maybe, uh, differently what labels should be doing to utilize? Um, yeah, I mean, to some degree, it's the same sort of right. uh, best practices. Okay, It's taking care of the details. But, you know, knowing that having a label account on the site uh, gives you um, a few extra advantages uh, if you don't already have one, um, you know, it, it is worthwhile. So, you know, obviously, if you set up as a label on the site and you start connecting to artists um, who are on Bandcamp, um, well, you get to piggyback their fan bases. Mm. So, you know, what we are, the ideal scenario, obviously, is that every artist has one account and every label has one account. And then if a label comes along and signs a band, maybe that band's put out a couple of releases, maybe they have on their own, maybe they got signed to a smaller label, and maybe you as a larger label come along and you sign them up. Well, guess what? That artist comes with their fan base attached. Maybe they've got hundred fans maybe they've got ten thousand fans hmm. that's uh, these aren't it's not these aren't fans like you know clicks on a youtube video sure. or uh, facebook likes these are fans who've opened their wallet and so when you put out that next record they are going to be automatically notified and isn't that easy isn't that so hmm. much easier than sending out a press release paying for pr and hoping that someone reads a blog post somewhere or boosting a post on a social site where you totally. might reach 12% of the fans that have said that they follow. This is a proven way to reach the fans who have already said, I want to buy music from this artist. Tell me when they do it again. Totally. So if you don't have a label account and yet you've got artists on the site, you got, you're missing out. You, you lose the money on the table for sure. Um, each of your artists automatically get Bandcamp Pro, so you're saving them fifteen bucks a month, which you know some folks adds up for sure. Sure. And hopefully, a lot of the 
the features that we've built for labels, um, we've made recent changes to accounting so that it's uh, totally industry standard. Um, we've got uh, the ability for you to um, mirror your territorial licenses that you might have out in the world now. That can happen on bank account okay. too. Um, everything is unified under one account, so it's easy to kind of bounce between different artists and see how things are doing. Uh, you're building a, a following for both the label and your artist that you get to tap into at any point. You walk away with a lot more fan data uh, than you would if you were just selling stuff, you know, uh, via other music sites. So I think there's a, there are lots of advantages. A lot of them apply to both artists and labels, but there's definitely some efficiencies and some uh, some uh, the ability to kind of grow a fan base quickly and tap into existing fan base, I think is pretty key as a, as a label. You know what I was thinking just earlier today, and I, I, there's no way for me to validate this, but I, I was just thinking how much Bandcamp and even just how simple it is to, to, um, to create a label account or to, to act as a label on Bandcamp. I wonder how much that has inspired people to start Bandcamp or sorry, to start a label. Um, in the past five to 10 years. Uh, and, and again, there's no way of knowing, but I just think because that barrier for entry 15 years ago, if I start a label, how am I going to get people music? I can't get into record stores. I don't know how to sell digital downloads. Even 15 years ago, getting music on iTunes was pretty arduous. And so I think that now that we know we have a, a distribution platform for physical and for digital products, I wonder how many labels that has uh, inspired to be created. Yeah. Well, I mean, the other, you know, one of the other things that we hear a lot is uh, that they're amazed by where their fans have popped up. So, mm. you know, a few years ago, um, I couldn't stop talking about Mel music from Melbourne. There seemed to be so much music coming out of Melbourne, Australia. Mm. And we were, you know, I was interviewing folks, we're featuring bands, and then more and more joining the site. And what those folks are telling us was, hey, you know, it used to be that we could make a living playing in Melbourne and we've got really great radio here. We've got good support for local music and that's cool. But now because over half of the sales on Bandcamp across border, we've got fans in Tokyo. We've got fans in, in Paris. We've got fans in Brooklyn. You know what? Uh, thank you. You know, how, mm. uh, how did that happen? And it's just, again, because of that viral nature of the site and fans finding other fans with music that they like, uh, that, you're able to grow a fan base that's potentially worldwide. You know, fans uh, buying music uh, in, in hundreds of countries on Bandcamp. So, you know, uh, it, it's it's definitely opens the door to um, a, a community of fans that you might previously, as you pointed out, not had access to if you rely on the old, dis, you know, especially the old physical distribution. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, for sure. But even if you're just putting your your stuff up on a on a random music platform, um, how, you know, with no community, how are you supposed to get the word out there? Mm. Again, the, the advantage is, is the community. I totally agree, and I also think that the the community is something really special, and that they are active listeners. Um, and and Spotify, there's a there's a place for that, and to me. Um, I see those people as passive listeners. There's so, there's something so intimate about shipping a vinyl to Japan and 
seeing that person's name and and their email and and sending them an email and saying thank you. Um, it's such a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, I think the other side of that are fans who'd love to be able to say thank you to you too. You know, hmm. so it's a it's it's nice nicely mutually beneficial there that um, as a fan. Uh, you know, in a non-creepy way, you could you could follow artists and labels and express how much you like them by uh, opening your wallet, making comments, wearing that album on the, as a you know as a as a badge of pride on your sleeve, picking a favorite track, uh, you know, being the first one there, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. You know, I you know I know for a fact people buy music on Bandcamp even though they already own it somewhere else. They just right. want to have it in their club. Oh right, yeah. No, that's true. I uh, I love those little alerts I get on my phone occasionally that says so and so started following other songs. It's like a little uh, <laughs> boost of encouragement. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Yeah, somebody bought something that uh, because they saw it in your collection. Um, I like those too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those little identifiers. I just talked. I talked a few days ago when we were talking with. Um, Literally, it was just, it was maybe two or three days ago with Top Shelf. And they were telling me about their Bandcamp subscription platform. And I was really excited to see them doing that. Um, they had about 50 subscribers on average. Um, how's that program going? Is there is there more to d- development to happen with that platform? Yeah, I'm not sure. You know, mostly it was aimed at artists. Okay, okay. But obviously... There, uh, it's not. That's not to exclude labels. Um, I think it's just possibly more difficult for a label to put into use. Having said that, I think that if you're a label of of a certain type, um, then sure, why mm-hmm. the hell not? Mm-hmm. You know, so a Stone's Throw, for instance, has a cult following, right? right? It, it seems like an obvious choice. So yeah, they've got a, um, a subscription thing going. I talked to the guys at Holy Raw and they have a great subscription going. I mean, their subscription really changed the way that they do business and wow. that they reached a level um, a, a, of monthly income where previously there would be bands that come along, they like them, but they knew they probably couldn't sell that many. But because they've got X hundred number of subscribers, they're like, okay, well, look, we can do this because in theory, we're already reached that minimum goal. Because oh my goodness. Of people subscribing at this point where if we sell this many, that's the, you know, the break-even point or beyond. That's so incredible. Them even changed the, the, the types of bands that they were able to sign. That's incredible. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think there are some labels that will say, you know what, the accounting's a nightmare. I yeah. can't, yeah. I don't know how I translate you know, a fan spending 20 bucks a month or 50 bucks a year. That's to right. Artists. Whereas other uh, labels are going to be like, you know what, we'll make this work. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes sense to us. Our, our artists and labels all kind of rub shoulders with each other, at least musically speaking. And fans, you know, won't be surprised uh, by us putting out a jazz record and then a, 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 a sludge metal record yeah. and a, a spoken word record, which great. If you're the label that does that, I love you. Um, <laughs> but I understand why you might decide not to create a subscription because maybe not every fan is coming back and buying each one of those records. Well, and I, and I agree. And I, I, I the accounting thing was difficult, especially when you have, you're giving away the back catalog. Now I think top shelf has a cool way of limiting what they give away. Um, but what I love about the idea for labels is that labels have more necessary, potentially have more content 
than uh, just a single artist. You know, there's more releases, there's more B-sides available. So that's why I think it is a cool platform if you can make it work. Yeah, I mean, you know, there are uh, there are artists that have had fantastically successful um, campaigns, and they've done it in a weird, different way that we didn't even expect. Um, mm. So, for instance, Protest the Hero is an example of this. Okay. Whereby they cur- they created a subscription around one album, hmm. uh, and they took s- about six or seven months to release that album. It was they let subscribers have a track a month that nobody else could have. They used the channel that's available to them when you start a subscription fee, uh, account to speak with the subscribers right. on a regular basis to get them all hyped up about what's this next track. Hope you like it. What did you think? What's your feedback? Oh, cool. Honestly, when that album announced, I'm I'm going to guess that they sold – uh, well, I can't tell you the official numbers, but sure. they probably they did so much more in sales because of the fact that they enabled people to subscribe to this album before and take part in what sort of felt like the album's creation a little bit. I want to say there was parts where, you know, the second track came out and fans are writing in. They're like, I love that bass solo about 36 seconds. In, you know, whatever yeah. it is. And like, yeah, you know cool, yeah, well, you know, we might do more of that next time. I think there was a naming naming of a song or something. I could be wrong. Oh, wow. Um, but it just felt like, again, it's that little, if you're if you're into it, and I understand people aren't always into it, but if you're into letting the fans in a little bit more and you want to have that relationship with them, cool, they'll respond. And mm. having a subscription is a great way uh, to do that. And it's nice to know that you can rely on that monthly or annual income. Oh, for um, sure. You know, you set the price, you set the frequency, whether it's monthly or annually. And if you know you've got 200 fans paying, you know, whatever it is, 10 bucks a month, well, great. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, it's a good point. No, I love it. And uh, one, there was one feature, I, I remember I emailed Jen about back in the day, and, and I, I, I wish that there was a way, and maybe it's changed, that um, you could gift a subscription to, say, maybe artists on, the, on your roster um, who could help hype the the program, or maybe to gift it to press or something? I don't know if that's been if that's an option, but I think that might that might help just to kind of draw attention to to the program. I'll write um, that one down next to your frisbee idea. Yeah, <laughs> at least one of the ideas have to come out of this episode of frisbee or the. <laughs> Uh, you know, we've talked a lot on this show, and I, I don't want to take too much more of your time, but we've talked a lot on this show and speculated about what might be Bandcamp's response, if any, to the to the new streaming landscape. And and I, and I don't expect you to make any uh, exclusive announcements on here, uh, but you can. But but we're all just curious that if the industry is seemingly devaluing digital downloads, how does that affect Bandcamp? Um, well, I think. That I mean, there's a few, there's a big, you know, big wide question. I think we've always sure. obviously streaming uh, as a fantastic thing, but to be used in a different way than uh, the majority of folks out there currently use, or you know, a couple of corporations in particular would like you to use. Mm. And so, you know, and for, sorry if this is obvious, but streaming on Bandcamp, there's a couple of things going on there. So. I can come and stream a track from your label uh, or from one of your artists, right? And listen to it. The idea there is that I can stream it and then I will go and buy it. Mm. 
you as the artist or label can limit the number of times that I can stream it before I have to buy it. I can't just keep listening to right, something. Right. You, you know, by default, each track is set to a limit of three listens. So the idea of streaming on Bandcamp pre-purchase is to get you to open your wallet and pay. Mm. It's And then secondly, once I've bought the record, wherever I have Bandcamp, I can then stream that record. Basically, I'm buying access. Maybe I'm also buying vinyl and a cassette and a t-shirt and a poster and whatever else, but I'm buying access to, to listen to that record. The key difference being that as a fan, I'm not paying Bandcamp 15 bucks a month for this. Right. I'm paying you, yeah. the artist or the label, what you wanted for that purchase for the right to be able to listen to it in the way that I want, hmm. which is really no different if you think about it than walking into a store in the old days and you know buying a tape or a CD or a record, taking it home, and guess what? You can listen to it anywhere. You have a record player, cassette player, or a CD player. Hmm. Um, we just That's the bit where we think, well, streaming's great. Isn't it convenient? But let's not, put, let's not make it devalue uh, the fact that, you know, like we said earlier, music is art, and... Uh, blood, sweat, and tears, and people should be prayed properly for that. Mm. And, um, we just don't think that the model should be rental, you uh, know? Agreed. You're not renting anything you want for uh, a few bucks a month. Um, I understand that has its uses, but it's just not what bank camp's about, and mm. I don't think it ever will. I agree. I, and uh, I appreciate that. And I love it. And I, and I think there's just a, a curiosity, but it goes back to the first thing that we talked about, how Bandcamp has been this concrete pillar that has been, um, you know, so many platforms just kind of move with the times, add Instagram integration, you know, try out d different things, allow you to upload gifts to your profile page. You know, it's just so nice to see Bandcamp has held fast and um, supports the artists. And I'm such a huge fan. I love it. Cool. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. And we're well aware that, you know, without your trust, without you music and asking your fans to support you there, what is, you know, what are we doing? So <laughs> we were, permanently roll out the red carpet for for music and for artists and for like and obviously for fans on the other end of it. I'm so excited about the the Bandcamp store that just opened up, the physical store. And yeah, you're gonna come I I that is I gotta try to work it into a conversation with my wife to fly across the continent and just to go to that store. So but uh, you know I'm sure California is not too hard of a sell. Um, no, oh got a lot of stuff going on right now too there's a lot of really cool music around here and fun stuff going on good art and culture it's a, it's a great place to be right now well and i gotta come pick up my frisbee exactly yeah thank you so much andrew i really really do appreciate it um it's it's been a lot of fun to chat with you you're welcome, Scott. Thanks for asking all the questions. Appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Bandcamp is so special to me. It's so great to hear uh, a voice from someone from Bandcamp and and to realize they are a humble company and they are uh, they are here to support us and to support indie artists. I love that. Um, if you have any questions, um, 
you can send them to me at podcast at otherrecordlabels.com and I'll try to dig a little bit deeper into the Bandcamp world. We're going to do a, a follow-up episode uh, on the topic of Bandcamp and best practices at Bandcamp next week. So make sure you tune into that. To find um, more helpful tips for indie artists and for DIY labels, go to otherrecordlabels.com and download our free guide. And remember, if you haven't already, when you have a new release coming up, Make sure you send it to editorial at bandcamp.com um, so their team over there can hear your new release. Thanks again for listening. I really appreciate it. <laughs>